number two of Sports Talk begins with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. And we get to say hello to our good friend Vince Ferrara, who joins us this hour. Vince, of course, already hands full with the pinch hitting on Sports 180, but joins us for his weekly hour with us. Vince, how are you? Good friend. Boy, I've upgraded during the stay-at-home period. Kidding, but I hope you guys are doing well. Well, I'm sure that uh, that Mama Ferrara, just as my mom said, if you're not going to say something nice... (laughs) Just make something up. <laughs> <laughs> it has been an unbelievable run, and you, you and Heather, of course, talked a lot about it yesterday and today. And that is Tennessee, just a, like a ball of fire right now when it comes to recruiting, and now have the most commits of any team in the 2021 class. And you were pointing out, Vince, it wasn't that long ago that they not only were in single digits, they had seven players committed, and it, there were folks that were asking some questions. It was March 29th, and, yeah, a lot of people were talking about it when they had seven commits, as you mentioned, and only one four-star. And you were wondering, is this good enough for you to catch up in the SEC, and what is going on? And so, yeah, it was it was the topic of conversation but it, it we're far from that now, and it, you know I we've used and Rob used it, and a lot of people have used it, the term unprecedented. So I, I went back and wanted to scroll through, and and because I remember during the Butch Jones era, there there was a, a couple of periods of time where he had some choreographed uh, string of public commitments and. There, I found two periods of time where we had a, a bunch of commits in a in a short time, and one of them was June eighteenth, twenty sixteen. There was three commits in one day, and six over a sixteen day period. The three commits on that day were running back Trey Coleman, a three star, defensive back Theo Jackson, a three star, and defensive end Latrell Bumpus, a four star. And then a, a couple of days later. Defensive tackle Kevon Bennett, who was a four-star, he also committed. This is all from rivals ranking. And then another one, probably the more impressive of the string of of commits that Butch Jones had choreographed. June started June 22nd, uh, or or I guess, uh, yeah, June 21st in 2014. Five commits in four days for Tennessee, starting with Alvin Kamara, five-star, uh, coming from JUCO, and then after that, or, or, or the next day, Quay Piku, uh, defensive lineman, three-star. Remember, he was the best sound bite of spring practice uh, <laughs> three or four <laughs> years ago, where he came out of nowhere to be the star of the media. Um, and then uh, on that same day, uh, linebacker Austin Smith, a three-star committed. Then the next day, Kyle Oliver, a three-star committed. And then the day after that, it was closed out with Tommy Townsend, a three-star kicker from the state of Florida, who is now uh, competing to try to be the new punter of the uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs in the NFL after going to Florida. And if you go back even farther before that, Quentin Dormady, prior, just prior to that, had committed, and he was a four-star quarterback. So, the five and four days back in 2014 in that 2015 class was probably the closest thing I could find. But 
we're not talking about the level of athletes and the high, uh, such high-rated players beating big-time programs. Uh, sometimes in their home state, in their home state, head-to-head in recruiting, uh, filling you know big need positions, uh, and then continuing it one after another uh, with this momentum. I, I don't recall ever seeing anything like it, and. Uh, you know, Butch Jones tried to do these kind of things. I don't know that Tennessee is doing it. I think it's just a circumstance. And then, hey, while we're go, while we're while we're at it, guys, why don't you make a public decision in where you're going to go? And and this isn't just one thing to me. This is a lot of factors involved in them having this kind of results. Let's go to the phones and say hello to Jim, who joins us. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Jim. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. You know, uh, I, I think unprecedented is, is a good word to, to look at this recruiting uh, period that that we're in right right now, and it's and it's interesting to just go back eight months ago, and eight months ago we've just lost to BYU. We're zero and two with a terrible start. People questioning Jeremy Pruitt. And look where we are today. The optimism could not be higher. The question I wanted to ask you guys, uh, obviously recruiting is a team effort amongst uh, amongst the coaches. Uh, they've got their areas, and, and guys are going after, and uh, hopefully the head coach can, can nail it down and so forth. Could, could you guys just maybe talk uh, talk about a couple of the, of the uh, coaches who you think are doing uh, an excellent job uh, of recruiting, maybe single out a couple. Amongst, I'm sure they're all doing really good jobs, but I'd be interested if you just throw out a couple of names and talk about what they're doing. Well, 24-7, Vince, we talked about it last week. Um, They've got Derek Ansley right now as the number one rated recruiter in the SEC. T. Martin is number two. And if I remember their rankings as far as both were in the top ten, it was T. Martin at number nine and Ansley fourth. But it is a ball of fire, and you've had, I mean, even some of the newcomers that have just joined the staff have had an impact in putting this class together, haven't they? Absolutely. Uh, Looking at the updated list right now, Tennessee has four of the top 15 recruiters in their Mm -hmm. rankings nationally. Uh, Derek Ansley is up to number two. Uh, Brian uh, T. Martin is at number nine. And uh, Brian Niedermeyer is at 13. Those are the top three recruiters in the SEC. Florida's David Turner is 14. And then at 15 is Jay Graham. Um, obviously, Ohio State is, is because they have the number one class. And they, there's a gap between Ohio State and Tennessee. Ohio State has an even more ridiculous uh, ranking. They have three of the top four national recruiters, four of the top seven, and five of the top 12. So um, it, it's insane. But you're right, Jim. It is, it, it's by committee. And I think Brian Niermeyer is, is in there. He's technically listed to be a part of four commits, but he's one that shares responsibility and 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 is in contact with a lot of guys. One because he's very good at it, and he's so personal. And two, his impact on social media is felt with all those guys. So you make the personal connection, 
you, you do it on social media, it's very influential, and, and they're smartly utilizing him in that way. Jay Graham is paying dividends in North Carolina. T. Martin in the state of Alabama. Derek Ansley is just so smooth, and he's involved with nine different commits. And you know as a defensive coordinator, he's touching and in contact with a, a lot more than just those guys. It, it's a, it's the, the team philosophy of recruiting, doing it as an entire unit, that's very effective. It also protects you in case a assistant moves on or like this off season, again, you have changes to your coaching staff. It doesn't set you back because you've built relationships with multiple coaches. You know, uh, it's an exciting time. And this Sunday, uh, there may be more excitement beyond just being mother's day, which is exciting in its, in its own event, but uh, there may be more to come this Sunday. And it's been unbelievable. Guys, I appreciate all the information. You guys stay well. Take care. Thanks, Jim. You as well, Jim. Thank you. 656-9900 to join us. 656-9900 puts you on Sports Talk. We'll get a break. We've got more with Vince coming up as you listen to 99.1, The Sports Animal. We work all day under a neon Budweiser sign. Yeah, it's a really cool thing. From the Budweiser studios of Cumulus Broadcasting, we are Sports Radio WNML. Sports Talk continues. 656-9900. Uh, you join us, our guest, Vince Ferrara, as he joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. We'll remind you that we're brought to you today by Second Harvest Food Bank of East Tennessee, as uh, they would love nothing more than for you to uh, spare what you can in helps of uh, supporting their Food for Kids program. Uh, they, they supply and help out with the Food for Kids program 280 schools in 18 East Tennessee counties, and even though school is not in session in terms of traditional with the students in classes, they are still setting up at schools to help feed those that need it. Donations can be made online at secondharvestetn.org, or you can call 865-243-8227. That number again, 243-8227. Why don't we go now to uh, check in with the newsroom as our Sister Station News Talk 98.7. We're now joined by Alex Abernathy. Alex, how are you? Hey, John, I'm good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. So what is the news today in regards to uh, this ongoing situation and battle? Well, I love what you were saying about Second Harvest. That kind of works as a perfect segue for me because Governor Bill Lee is speaking right now. He speaks every day at 4 o'clock, and he said that he and his wife are coming to East Tennessee to go and do some work and volunteer with Second Harvest Food Bank coming up this Friday. He also said just in the first 15 minutes of his speech today that he's working to get discounted thermometers for businesses across the state that need people to come in and shop retail so that way they can scan their employees and customers before they come in. He's trying to get a discount for those businesses. He also talked about how the state of Tennessee just struck a deal with a company that has operations in Columbia to get 5 million masks to distribute across the state for free for any Tennesseans who want some. As for today's numbers, the Tennessee Health Department reports 
13,624 cases of COVID-19, and that means there are 53 new cases today. And on, a, on the bright side of things, the good news here, Zoo Knoxville announced today that their target date for reopening is May 18th. And Lisa New, she's the CEO over at the zoo, says that the zoo is going to take some extra precautions, such as requiring masks for their staff and consistent cleaning of the park. Patrons are going to be encouraged but not mandated to wear masks and to socially distance themselves from others. They will also have hand sanitizer readily available across the facility for anybody to use to continue being clean while you're there at the park. And of course, guys, I got to remind you real quick, the only reason I can come in here and do this for you guys and give you a brief update is because our coverage is brought to you by Advanced Heat, AC, and Plumbing. As always, your family's comfort is their family's business. Alex, thanks for the update. And, of course, folks can uh, follow on Twitter with uh, easy access to the website and Newstalk987.com, also a wonderful resource, correct? Yes, sir. We have a county-by-county breakdown. We also have more specific numbers for Knox County. Just like you said, Newstalk987.com. Thank you, Alex. Have a great night. Thanks, John. You too. Sure to appreciate it. Let's get back to the phones and check in with Stan. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Stan. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to uh, say how much I am very pleased with what's going on with recruiting and and how how much that, you know, I was there for those first two games last year, sat through their entirety, and and – what I saw on the field didn't give me any hope for the turnaround that we had. So that, that really proved to me that we do have some coaches that can coach. But I think what you see with Pruitt and what's really ringing with these recruits is that, you know, when, when he did make changes as the season progressed and some guys got more playing time, some guys got less, some of it was due to development, some of it was due to healing up from injuries. But you saw that, you know, he didn't just, completely shell all the best players. The guys that were productive, they played. And the guys that kind of panned out to be not able to hold up in the SEC kind of got replaced by younger guys. But you didn't see just a wholesale change where he just he just missed all the old guys, where he just went to the, all the freshmen. It, you know, they proved that they, there was a reason they were on the field. And by the end of the year, you know, you saw the young guys with the old guys you know, everybody had a sense of team. Guys that weren't on board left, and it wasn't a bad thing. And guys that, you know, just realized that, you know, they needed to move on, did, and I, and I hope the best for them in the future. But I think the fairness of how the transition went as the season progressed and how they got coached up, I think all those things are kind of ringing that this is a coaching staff that can coach and they will give a guy a fair shot. Well, I certainly think that has that looks to be the case has proven to be the case. And uh, Jimmy, I, I think one thing that that stood out is that not only did Pruitt not panic, but he also was very supportive. I mean, I think it was when they were one and four, and he was talking about how much better the team was this year than the year before. And it's not easy to do when the record doesn't back up a statement like that, but I think it showed his confidence in not only his staff but also the roster, and he wound up in the end being proven correct. Yeah, and, 
look, they blew the first two games. Uh, it, it, by his own admission, Pruitt didn't have the team ready. He didn't coach what he usually would against Georgia State. And then I, I blame the coaches for not being in a prevent defense late in that Brigham Young game. But after that, the way they held together and rebounded to uh, win eight games, to win a bowl game, I think that was a that was a nice coaching job. And I think the player development was obvious. Uh, Vince, I was just reading your article about all the players the VFLs in the NFL and how so many of them came through the Butch Jones signing classes. But I look at players that were inherited by Pruitt, like Nigel Warrior, and look at how much better he got. And so I, I think there's a lot to be said for the player development, and I have much more confidence in this staff's and Pruitt's ability to develop players than I did in the previous staff. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's an interesting point from our from our caller about um, that Jeremy Pruitt didn't bail on all of those Butch Jones players. In one sense, he didn't. I don't know how much of a choice he had. I guess you could have sent all of those guys uh, packing and said, "You don't fit my system. Uh, I didn't sign you. I'm gonna skip over him," which I think is what, what our caller's point was, and it's a fair one because some coaches would say. We're going young. I'm going to suck it up now, and we're going to have our guys ready, um, you know, down the road. But he he made the most of them, and they were, uh, in a lot of ways, whether it's Batuli or Taylor or Jennings, Callaway. A lot of these guys were the most ex- experienced players, and it turns out that it paid off that he stuck with them because when they when they dug themselves that hole, they needed those guys to help them get out of it. And they were key, those seniors. So it, it is, uh, you know, it just a matter of goes back to the relationship building that he realized he didn't put enough time and effort in after the first season, and he self-evaluated, put more uh, impact on that, and then you saw them fight for him afterwards, and it has paid off on the field with last year's results, and you're seeing it, I think, in, in recruiting with, with that priority in relationships. Anything else? We sure do appreciate it, Stan. Let's go next to Roger. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Roger. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, well, hey, uh, hey, Don, Jimmy, Vince. Uh, how, how, how y'all doing? How y'all doing? Doing well, thanks. Doing well, and yourself? Sure, Roger. Uh, then fine, John. Then fine, uh, Vince. Uh, uh, should talk to you, Vince. Uh, Vince, I talked to you in a while. How, how you been doing, Vince? How you been? Doing good. I've been uh, I've been social distancing and staying at home and ordering uh, takeout and uh, you know just uh, yeah. just staying staying safe and uh, you know doing doing broadcasting from home. But I uh, hope you're you're doing well through all this too, Ben. Oh yeah, I didn't find it. Yeah, I didn't find her. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I didn't find her, and that's why I asked you, Ben. So, talking about about Pruitt staff, about about all of them been doing real good, real good, Ben. That's why I asked you about their games at first. Is what makes him what makes him such a good a good a good recruiter, Ben? I know he's been real good recruiting, like you're saying. He he's real good at developing players, and he and he's real good in the NFL. So I asked you, what makes him so good? So good, so good at that. Pete, uh, people skills. He looks. He looks you in the eye, and he's a he's a no nonsense guy. But he's a guy that yeah. tells it like it is too, and can joke around with a guy. So 
he has a, a, a nice blend of personality. And, you know, you've seen recruits talk about how well they connect with Coach Ansley. And, Roger, you mentioned the NFL. I think that has yeah. some cachet with, with those recruits as well, that he's been in the NFL and, uh, what, you know, was so highly regarded that he got that opportunity and then came back to Tennessee because he thought something special was happening with Coach Pruitt, was going to happen with Coach Pruitt. And and then also now those guys can they can recruit Roger even if it's through Zoom video with their chest out yeah. that they feel good about what they're doing they they've shown a, a pattern of development of some progress and I think it allows you to come through as more authentic and when you are authentic I think that resonates with kids and their families as well I, I wonder how much of that aspect is happening when you know when uh, these guys are recruiting and they're on Zoom video or whatever video with these kids. And then, you know, how easy is it to just have mom and dad jump on, on camera? And now mm-hmm. you're instantly making a connection with the family as opposed to just, you know, texting with a kid when you can or, or just a short visit or, or just looking at it from a distance. So it allows them to be more personal and I think Derek Ansley is is regarded as such having such good people skills, and he's still fairly yeah. young. I think that all resonates with kids. Right? Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, uh, uh, you're right with that. And uh, and also the whole staff, the whole staff too, uh, Vance. Uh, you you missed about, uh, about John was actually about the about about the, about the staff a little bit. Um, uh, what uh, I know, Pruitt, he's a smart guy. Hiring he hiring the staff for everything that uh, new people he's hired. Um, what based some? Uh, uh, have you been impressed with the uh, John Jimmy too? Uh, have, have y'all been impressed how he have Pruitt and staff be able to recruit? Uh, I said, especially you can't you can't go to houses and you got to stay home. Have you been have y'all been impressed with them able to recruit like this? Yes, very much so. Uh, especially with just the incredible run, uh, Jimmy. I don't think anybody would have imagined this during a a, a dead period, an extended dead period. Uh, Tennessee's just been very active when it was able. They, a number of these guys have already visited Tennessee and they've gotten after it. Yeah, I thought that yeah. uh, during the dead period there would be a light number of players committing, not a barrage. And I've been following Tennessee recruiting for an awfully long time, and I don't remember a stretch like this. And and they're getting a high-quality kids. Y'all were talking earlier about how few commitments Tennessee had. And if memory serves, I think all of them were like three stars. It's like, when's Tennessee going to get some four and five stars? Well, they yeah. got some. Yeah. yeah, March 29th, yeah. they had seven commits, and only one was a four-star. I think that was uh, Jordan Mosley, the wide receiver. Everybody else was a three-star. So, absolutely, <laughs> people were wondering about what was uh, what was going on. And then uh, I think the new guys on the staff, Roger, to to your point, uh, you know, you have to yeah. be impressed. Joe Osevet, uh, Shelton Felton, Jimmy Brumball, what those guys, J- uh, Jay Graham, obviously – uh, what they've brought, they they've jumped right in and have smoothly transitioned into the staff. Right. Oh yeah. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious. See, I'm curious see what, what see what happens now. Um, hopefully, football season. Hopefully, but um, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. I, I can't wait to see their games and everything. Um, uh, per, um, uh, uh, so yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, do you think of it, uh, Vance? Do you think of it? Do you think of it? Football season this coming fall. You know, you know maybe. 
You think we for ball this fall? Fall yeah. I do. I do, Roger. I'm still optimistic. I think we'll have it. It's still to be determined how they're going to execute it, and if you know they have to wait on other schools that maybe in their areas are hit harder, maybe other conferences don't have all their members. How it's going to be done and when? I think those none of us know. But I, I do. I'm still at this point not being a medical expert or anything like that. I'm still optimistic that they'll find a way. A lot of dollars and TV is going to find a way, I think, to make sure they do it in some form or fashion. Hey, Roger, we sure do appreciate it. Thank you very much. We'll get a break. We've got more with Vince Ferrara coming up as you listen to Sports Talk on 99.1 The Sports Animal. Sports Talk continues. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, as he joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. We're brought to you today by Second Harvest Food Bank of East Tennessee, and they certainly could use your help with their Food for Kids program. Donations of any amount, $5, could make up for 15 meals. Secondharvestetn.org, or you can call 865-243-8227. That's 243-8227. And, Vince, we have uh, seen the proud welcome. CBS could not be happier to uh, to welcome VFL and heck of a nice guy Charles Davis to their lineup, Can, are they? No doubt. They should be really excited. I know Charles is really excited, and he's going to be paired up with Ian Eagle as a broadcast team. And, John, both you and I, and I think many – uh, of our listeners that have heard Ian Eagle call games through the years uh, are really fond of, of him. He is uh, among the best uh, in the business, and to have Charles is one of the better in the business and a, a beautiful guy in VFL, have those two be a pair, uh, that's as good as it gets. And CBS, just really deep, you know, about the, the Nance-Romo combo and you know, Kevin Harlan, they've just got a nice stable of, of great broadcast uh, broadcasters in football. And, you know, Charles Davis has worked with some really good ones. I thought he was uh, excellent with Kevin Burkhardt, and he's worked with Gus Johnson calling college games and Tom Brenneman and, and others. But just really excited for that Iron and Eagle combo and, and happy for Charles to, to be wanted by CBS and to get that opportunity, he is he's really excited about it, and uh, certainly CBS is also. Vince, uh, if you would, just talk about some of the observations you have about the Tennessee football roster. Well, it it's um, there are there's some experience on this team. I went through, and I'm still working on uh, a lot of the different elements that I'm in looking in the numbers and how the roster lays out. But I've counted 14 players on the Tennessee roster that have 30 games of experience or more, and it, you know, it's it, they're each year it's different. But I think that's a that's a pretty nice number for Tennessee. They certainly lost a number of guys that had 
um, excuse me, a lot of experience, but that's still a, a pretty good number. And I think that's part of why there's excitement there uh, for uh, for Tennessee. Also, the, clearly the offensive line, when you look at it and lay it out with the reserves that have starting experience, that's really exciting. Um, you know, it just kind of reminds you how thin that wide receiver group is when you actually lay out the numbers and thin in terms of experience. Uh, Josh Palmer is one of those guys that – has a lot of experience, 37 games played and 25 starts. But after that, you have a D'Angelo Gibbs who sat out last year with the transfer rule, Brandon Johnson who redshirted last year, Ramel Keaton, uh, you know, highly rated guy that, that got some work as a freshman, and Cedric Tillman who's been there a couple of years. After that, it's you know all the talented freshmen, so they're going to rely on those guys and laying it out. It, it really reminded you of that. And then the lack of clarity on the D-line. There are so many different guys that you can make a case for. They don't have a superstar in that group. They get Emmett Gooden back. But when you lay it out, you're like, all right, this guy's played this game, uh, these games, and this guy started half the games, and this guy started you know, uh, six more games. And it, it's, it just kind of blends in a lot. It speaks good to the depth. But I think that's an area that we're, we're going to see some clarity. Remember at the beginning of last year, you saw uh, Greg Emerson, Aubrey Solomon be some of the, the top guys out of camp. And then later in the year, you started, you saw Darrell Middleton and Karat Garland and other guys get a run. So it can certainly change, but there are a ton of different options, maybe without a star as we know it in that group there. So there, there are a lot more observations. All the quarterbacks, they have nine counting. <laughs> you guys were talking about quarterbacks earlier. Nine counting the walk-ons. And then one other quick thing on it is that we saw a big turnover in walk-ons with Jeremy Pruitt, especially last year. That tells me they wanted to get different kind of guys to give them different looks and reps versus what they had existing there. They've They've really turned over the, the walk-on group uh, of guys to add to their roster as well. I thought that was interesting. What did you think of Mel Kuyper ranking Trey Smith as the number two guard in next year's NFL draft? Yeah, it's not a, it's not a, a shocker. I mean, one, two, three, you're probably going to see him uh, all in those areas. A lot of it will depend on how the medical checks out for enough teams. And, you know, Wyatt Davis is a huge kid. He's, a, he's from Georgia, just mauling people at Ohio State, had a very good offensive line. Um, so, you know, he, he's going to be up there. And uh, Deontay Brown at Alabama, some of those guys. But Trey Smith will, will probably stay in those one, two, three rankings at, at guard. Could very well be the first guard taken, but it's not a, I wouldn't get upset if he's not number one right now. A lot of it is eye of the beholder also. And he's not – he didn't – Kuiper didn't match teams on what they're specifically looking for. It wasn't a mock draft. It was a top 25 and it was the top five by, by position. There was no Cade Mays, which is uh, – who's another guy that you've seen in some first-round mocks. Again, I wouldn't overreact to that. I think he had some inconsistent tape last year, even though he had to move around a lot. But I think if he has a really good year, he could very well – start to get back into those top five. So those are the only two Tennessee guys that, that were listed in, in, in Kuiper's way too early. 
but you'll see you'll see those guys talked about plenty in in other you know way too early mock drafts. I wouldn't get too worked up about it. I think it's fair. Let's get a call from Jeremy. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Jeremy. Hey guys, how you doing? Doing well. How are you? Doing good. I just wanted to know what the latest news was on the start of the baseball season and how likely uh, do you all think it is that we actually have at least a partial season this year. And I'll hang up and listen. Well, we uh, we talked with Mike Barnett about it last week. Vince, they, they certainly haven't run out of possible scenarios as to how they approach this. It is interesting that you are seeing potentially – um, the American League and National League set aside with three 10-team divisions. And who knows, could be a group in Florida, could be a group in Texas, could be another group in California. There are some that are even more optimistic that teams could even that more teams could even play in their home stadiums depending on exactly what's going on in their respective part of the country. But I think there is a lot of enthusiasm that before the end of this month, you could see teams starting to perhaps uh, gather and then work with maybe a late June or July 1st kind of return if, indeed, everything looks positive. Yeah, I think so. It has to stay. To your point, it has to stay on the positive trajectory. And, you know, with that three team, with that three uh, division the ten team layout in baseball. Uh, seemingly, I think they liked the, the the players' association was much more on board with that versus you know sandwiching everybody into into Arizona and things like that because this also has the the element built in where like you said you could eventually get back to a home field uh, to home fields of those teams. We saw the the Korean the first of the Korean league games last night. I just saw highlights of it. Um, it looked it looked good. I, I mean, I, I put me down for for watching MLB games if if they look like that. I'm okay with that. And you know, yes, ideally you want the fans, you want the energy, the passion, all that. Uh, but in the short term, knowing that they're working towards getting us back to where we normally would be, I, I would be fine with that. Um, so uh, one thing, John, I'll, I'll ask you, I haven't seen. If they do those three 10-team leagues, you're going to have a mix, uh, an imbalance probably, of American and National League teams. W- what do they do with with rules with the like the designated hitter during those? Because it's not going to be the same for all those divisions. Yeah, I have not actually seen that addressed either, and that's a very that's a great question. Simply for the fact that um, it's not as though you can just say, "Hey, like in the Southern League, if you play at a national, if it's two National League teams, then then you go ahead and the pitchers hit. If not, it's a DH, uh, or if it's at your park, then it depends. If it's intra-league in terms of the matchup, so I have not seen that addressed and. I think that's one of the many questions that uh, that remains unanswered to this point. I think everybody's just looking first and foremost as to how doable is it. Um, it they hope that if they, if again things remain on track, that they can put together between 80 and 100 games on this year's schedule. So we'll keep fingers crossed and see what happens next. But Jeremy, sure to appreciate the call, and uh, and Vince. Uh, we, of course, like you guys were, and the, the whole day's broadcast brought to you by Second Harvest Food Bank of East Tennessee. We're going to catch up with Elaine Streno in the next segment. But what have you guys, what do you and Heather have coming up tomorrow on Sports 180? 
Well, we're talking about how hot we have been, and we'll continue to talk about how hot Tennessee is in football recruiting. And you, when you joined us on Sports 180 today, John, you uh, pointed out the fact of, of how how strong things are going in recruiting for Tennessee men's basketball, the Lady Vols, and baseball as well. We're going to dive into the men's basketball part of it as Paul Biancardi, who's the national recruiting director for basketball for ESPN. We've had him on Sports Talk before. He's going to hop on with us at 2 o'clock, and we're going to look back on that 2020 class and his thoughts on what kind of team Rick Barnes can put together with those freshmen coming in. We'll ask him about Eve Pons, and we'll take a look at all those five-star uh, ask him about all those five-star targets that Tennessee is in the mix for in hoops recruiting and maybe even slide in a Steve Forbes question and him going to Wake Forest. He's a college basketball analyst as well. Also, Richard Justice will be on with us tomorrow from MLB.com. We'll talk about those scenarios. Maybe I'll ask him about the DH subject there, John, and uh, we'll, see, uh, we'll see if he has any insight on that. And then Braden Gall will join us at, at 2.30 as well. So Richard Justice, 12.30, Paul Biancardi at 2, Braden Gall at 2.30 on uh, on Sports 180 tomorrow. And then encourage everyone to go to Sports uh, 99.1, the sports animal, uh, uh, com on our website. Blog section has that blog that Jimmy uh, had referenced, 28 Butch Jones signed players in the, uh, in the NFL right now, the laid out by year and a lot more info. So check that out in the blog section and more blogs I'm sure coming from Jimmy and everyone's podcast, tons of, of info there on a daily basis. Vince, always appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow on at the end of sports 180. All right. Great to talk to you both. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. You as well. That's Vince Ferrari.